Welcome to the Blue Cord Podcast. This is a place where everyday Christian women like you get inspired to be authentic witnesses in your daily life so that people who don't know Jesus come to know Him and make Him known. Hey, Blue Cord friend. Today we'll unpack how God's love affects your witness. Now, this is a weighty topic. I don't know about you, but a decade ago, if you had asked me how I was loving the Buddhists, Hindus, and Muslims from the world's least reached nation that God was bringing to my doorstep, I would have given you some vague, pat Christian response like, God loves them, so do I. And you would have rightfully thought, of course God loves them, Karen. So how are you doing that practically? And if you press me for details, you would have quickly realized I had no idea how to love practically. I was so busy trying to survive as a working mom of three, doing all the good Christian girl things at church, I hadn't really thought about it. How about you? So if I asked you specific questions right now about how you are loving the people from other faiths at your doorstep, would your answers be vague too? Look, there's no judgment here because most Christians in Western nations aren't. So, stories aside, the big question for today is, do you want to start loving non-believers? And how do you do that practically? So let's get started. First, I want to tell you a little about our guest today, Linda. Her home base is in North America, yet for over a decade now, she has been traveling and working quite extensively with immigrants, refugees, and church planners working among the world's least-reached people throughout Europe. Recently, we were chatting about what God was teaching us about His love in His Word and how His love transforms our witness and how she was seeing God moving throughout Europe. And it was such a great conversation. I asked her to join me in this conversation today so that you could be a part of it. So, Linda, welcome. Thank you, Karen. It's just really exciting to be here with you on this podcast. Absolutely. So let's just dive right in. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about you? Especially, I want to know, did you automatically love people from other faiths and cultures? Um, So my quick response to that is absolutely not. (laughs) I would say... It was more like God yanked me into this. Uh-huh. I went a little bit unwillingly. I was already working in Europe by the time the 2015 refugee crisis started. Uh-huh. And I had already started engaging Muslims through a variety of strategic activities, mainly in Paris is where I was working. Mm. And when the refugee crisis started, it just compounded everything. And every single time I went to Europe, that's what I was doing, is working with refugees. The majority, overwhelming majority of the refugees coming in were Muslim from Arab nations, the Middle East. So I would say the fact that I speak French, God just gave me a big slap in the face and went, you need to use it to reach these people who are coming into France who speak French and have never had a chance to hear the gospel. Mm. So it, it was not me going, sign me up, Lord. I'm, I I love these people that don't know you and from other faiths, definitely not. Mm, I love that. I, I had the exact same spirit experience. I wasn't even on my radar. And I think a lot of good Christian girls are like us. We have this working head knowledge of God's love, and we know 
that we should be sharing his love with others. But honestly, it can be a struggle to really first believe that he loves us. Like we're trying to earn his love through our good deeds. And yet when we really believe in our soul that God loves us, that's when we can begin to love others. So Linda, I think this is a good time to transition and just talk about what God has been teaching you about his love lately. Well, I will say it goes back to what I shared with you when we were chatting last week. Mm. Uh, it all started uh, to, to swirl around me in a way that I couldn't avoid anymore when I started reading a book called Imagine the God of Heaven. And no matter who has a near-death experience, no matter what faith background they have, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, Christian, atheist, no matter what it is, everyone comes back when they come back from a near-death experience. And it talks about the love of God Hmm. and that they can't explain it, that they're overwhelmed by it. They don't have words to put on it. They just can hardly believe what they've experienced. And so I started thinking about it and I went, that's incredible. And I don't think I've ever thought about it being that overwhelming. Hmm. So what God was teaching me is Linda and scripturally, this this has a scripture basis, definitely. Hmm. We cannot fully understand or grasp the the love of God for us. We just, in our human weakness and sinful nature, Ephesians even says, it is too great to understand fully. Hmm. But then it goes on in Romans and it says, he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And so I'm, I'm reminded constantly this is not your love, Linda, yeah. which you are totally incapable of loving these people from other faiths that you, if you just look at, at it practicality wise, we're at odds with them. It's East versus West and it's it, extremely challenging, but God is going, I'm filling you with this love. You're not getting it yourself. I'm the one that's called you to do it. And I'm the one that's equipping you. I am the one that through the power of the Holy Spirit, is putting this unique love for other faiths inside of you. Mm, I love that. And as you were saying that, I was just thinking and I was imagining myself as the listener to say, that sounds so interesting. So God puts his love in us. So how do you just practically in your own just everyday life, how do you remember that? It uh, is strategic. I pray for opportunities. I pray for opportunities here in Texas where I live. Mm. And have very strange things when I'm actually strategically going, Lord, give me an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, there'll be a Muslim woman that I come into contact in a coffee shop and I have a conversation with them. It happens when we're praying for it. I also pray for a bold spirit. I find, I hate to say this, but it's true in my personal life. I find it easier to witness and be bold when I'm in Europe than I do right here in my own city. Mm. And it's very easy when I see refugees sitting alone to go talk to them, to go buy food for them, to give them information about where they can get help at a church. I can just go on and on with the refugee. And here in my own city, it's more of a challenge. And that's just a very honest comment. Mm -hmm. I think it is really important to understand that we have to be strategic. We can't play around with it and go, it'll happen if it's supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. God has called us to the nations and they are on our doorstep, Mm. which is exactly what's happening in Europe. And we have to seek opportunities. Not only do we pray for them, but we actually position ourselves 
to be in a place and to actually think that way. That's another thing. We go to the grocery store. I can engage Muslim women in the aisle by saying, hey, can you help me find this? I'm looking for it. And you can start a conversation. There are just very natural ways to do it. But we have to be thinking about it and we have to be pursuing it. Mm, I love that. Just this thought of being intentional and strategic. And I know for myself, if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't get done. So because that's where my focus is, right? So sometimes I literally have to write in my calendar to tithe my time, to be praying for divine appointments, to be surrounding myself with community, just like with you and I, so that I have friends who are also thinking about talking about practicing shining our light for Jesus in our everyday life. Because if my friends aren't talking about it, and they're not doing it, how likely are am I to be doing it too? So I've been I've learned through the years to be more purposeful about cultivating a community that's doing that too. So with that in mind, speaking of community, I know our friends in Europe right now are several steps ahead of us in how they've seen wave after wave of immigrants and refugees come there. So I'd love for you to chat for a little bit about how you're seeing God's transformative love impacting other faith refugees and immigrants in Europe right now that to some extent gives us a foreshadowing of things to come here in North America. I would say, first of all, I want to talk about a couple of organizations that I think are critical. Great. Uh, Europe has responded in amazing ways with organizations like Refugee Highway Partnership, and all they do is focus on how do we welcome them with God's love? How do we accept them for who they are as we begin to minister the love of Christ to them? And they're, again, very strategic. They just had, or they're getting ready to have a conference where there'll be 400 people from all over Europe who are trying to figure out how do we serve this these people groups who are coming to us that we could just sit and be in conflict with very easily but we know God loves them and we know they're here for a reason. Yeah. And then there's uh, DS for People of Europe, which is focuses totally on reaching Muslims. Mm. And they have conferences every year where they're training Europeans how to engage people from other faiths. So there's a very proactive movement in a variety of places in Europe. It is not hard in Europe to come across an immigrant, a migrant, a refugee, someone from another faith. You, as a Christian and a follower of Christ in Europe, you could be equipped every single day, no matter what big city. If you're in a big city, a large city in Europe, you're going to run into a refugee somewhere. There's big movements going on right now among the Iranians. There are big house church movements that are happening, and they're happening indigenously, like the Iranians are being trained to go and disciple other Iranians. And that's something that the Europeans are way ahead of us. They're training the, their own, the Syrians to disciple the Syrians, the Afghanis to disciple the Afghani people. So they're way ahead of bringing that along. More recently, these would be more atheists and not people of Muslim or Hindi background, but the Ukrainians. There have been huge movements in the Ukrainian refugee community, both inside displaced people inside Ukraine, displaced people outside of Ukraine huge church planting movements to reach those people. And then there's just a consistent awareness. It doesn't go away. I can live here in Central Texas and never think about it if Mm -hmm. I wanted to. Mm -hmm. But you've got it in your face in Europe, and they're dealing with it. 
and they're housing refugee. They're doing so many things. They're so active in refugee ministry. It's exciting what's going on in Europe. And I, because I work with a European church planting organization, yeah, the American pastors, just so you know, anytime we're together with American pastors, they look at the Europeans and go, oh my goodness, do we need to learn from you? You <laughs> are way ahead of us and we need to be paying attention. There we go. Amen. As you were sharing, I was just thinking about how we're seeing now in North America, certainly Canada, even more than we are in the United States, that the world's least reached nations now are now at our doorsteps. Yes. There are Buddhists, there are Hindu, there are Muslims, and more importantly, our kids and our grandkids are going to school with the world's least reached nations. In the school district that I live in, there are almost a hundred different languages spoken. And so as a, as women, we are the ones that empower our family. And so the important question for everyday Christians, whether you live in North America, Canada, Europe, Australia, wherever you live, our role is to empower our family and to model for our children being authentic witnesses yeah. across cultures. The Lord loves the nations and he wants to bring them to himself. And we are his chosen vehicles to do that. So the big question for us today is, women, how do we role model for our families how to share what matters most? This is not something that's just for missionaries um, or church planters. It's for everyday believers just like you and me. So with that in mind, Linda, what are some of the ways that, just real practical ways that you see that we can extend love to other faith immigrants and refugees that God's brought to our doorstep. First of all, I'm glad you're bringing this up, Karen, because I am retired from teaching and still going, and it has hit me how critical it is that grandparents pass all of this on to next generations, mm -hmm. whether it's your own children or your grandchildren, that we do model this and number one is just talking about it. Anytime you want to hold on to something and help people to understand it, you just keep talking about it. You don't ever let it go away. Hmm. And so I would say inserting conversations about other nations and other faiths into your dinner table conversations or um, sitting out on the back patio, whatever it is you're doing around your fire pit, having a conversation that relates to that. Beyond that, spending time with your family wherever you are. Like I said earlier, the grocery store, you can strive up a conversation anywhere with a person of another faith. And frequently, it's very easy to tell they're of another faith. But you can also put yourself in a position to do that and have other people with you. Modeling, you know this. Yes. You're, you're a teacher. Modeling is one of the most important things you can do. For example, my family... We talk about it all the time because they know what I'm going to do. And I come home and talk about the Muslim women that I've spent time with in France and had conversations with or sharing the love of Christ with. And I, you have said this so many times in your book, Muslim women are desperate for God's love. Mm -hmm. And we could sit and weep all day long at how they do not understand how much they are loved, how God wants to lavish his love onto them because he is love and they do not have a God who is love. Yeah. And I, I just, that tenderness that God put in me is sometimes I do just, I'll, I'm in the grocery store and I just go, oh, I'm just weeping 
I'm just weeping inside. I know that what you don't know. And you just, you want them to have that opportunity that we've been so blessed with here in a nation like we live in. Absolutely. One of the things that really grew my faith on this journey over the last decade is the more believers from other faith backgrounds that I have met to hear their stories. And, and as I've come to realize how profoundly the love of God is in wooing them to Christ. Now, love is not everything, but it's a huge part of their journey. And it's really given me pause to say, do, have I taken God's love for granted? And certainly, as I've talked with the Lord about that, realize that I can't hoard that love. I have to share it with others. And I love your comments about as grandparents and be, to be purposeful and parents purposeful about passing this along, our faith along to the next generation and modeling, sharing our faith. I want to just share with you a conversation I had this past week. One was with a group of senior citizens. Now I'm almost into that phase. Senior citizens at a local church. And they really want to make an impact, to make a difference. And it had not yet occurred to them that they hold the baton of faith to pass on to the next generation, that they can be speaking into and discipling with great purpose the next generation and model how to share your faith or even why have a faith worth sharing, especially when these times where we, you hear, I'm okay, you're okay, we all believe the same thing, right? So we, yes. we have an obligation. We are the ones that pass that baton yes. to the next generation. So if you are listening, wherever you're listening from, and you're thinking, I, I don't know enough to do any of those things, it's okay. Start small, start somewhere and just get, grab a blue cord book, start, take another friend through the study, be, just start yourself on the journey. And before you know it, bring someone with you. Bring someone with you. How do you do that, Linda? What are some things that lately you've been bringing someone with you so that you could role model? I have had the blessing of mentoring people at Mary Harden Baylor who Mm -hmm. want to go into overseas mission. Mm. So here's a perfect example. One of the young women in the past, we go into a coffee shop. It happens to be owned by people that we know are Muslim. Mm -hmm. And so we're going in to see, are there some other Muslims who are here in the coffee shop? Sure enough, there's a woman sitting with a headdress, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just say, I just look straight at this Mary Harden Baylor student. And I said, okay, this is how you do it. Now, there I you go. Caught up. I just went over and started a conversation with a total stranger. And we ended up having a relationship and meeting for coffee for two years. And so I walked back and I said, okay, here's what I just did. And this is what you do. You're intentional. You go and you pursue. They are sitting in darkness, and we have got to bring them the light. I love it. I love it. Now, so listener, if you're sitting there going, oh my gosh, I could never do what she just did, I want to just encourage you, start small. So, for example, a few weeks ago, I was in a a big metropolitan city, and I had a couple friends, and I was going to take them into some ethnic markets that I'd never been in before, and we were going to go pop in and have a cup of coffee afterwards. So we went into three markets. One was had lots of Buddhists in it. Another had lots of Hindus in it. It was Indo-Pak market. Another had lots of uh, Muslims in it. And this was the first time these two women had been outside of a, a normal, everyday American market. 
And as they walked in, their mouths were like wide open and it was a whole lot to take in, a whole lot to take in. And that is normal. So just grab a couple girlfriends, go for a field trip, take your kids, go to some ethnic markets that you've never, ever been before. And then see, put yourself where people are that are different than you. And then after that, we went to a Yemeni coffee shop. It was right next to a college, a big university. And right inside there was a huge display about free take one Qurans. And they were obviously proselytizing college students for Islam. And it was profoundly eye-opening for my friends when I took them in there because they did not realize that these people from other faiths and cultures lived right in their neighborhoods. And it's just like this wherever we live, all throughout North America, throughout Europe. So I'd say to you, grab a friend, get your kids, get a couple homeschooling moms together and go on a field trip and then talk about the things that you say, get out of your comfort zone. That's a great first step. Linda, I like how you're calling it a field trip because that's exactly what it is. Yes. It feels like an adventure. It's an adventure. You know, Lord, let's go. Let's grab hands together and let's go share the love and light of Jesus Christ. And it is an adventure. Yes. And especially if you're praying first, Lord, like you said, Linda, Lord, show me some divine appointments along the way and open my eyes to see them. Oh, this has been awesome, Linda. Anything else that you'd like to share? Just other practical things. The last thing that I have on my mind that we haven't really hit on is how it's God's command to us to love others. Mm -hmm. It is, it's not like something we get to debate and go, do you really mean that? It's very clear. Mm. We're called to love our brothers. We're called to love our enemies. We're called to love people. And if he's going to command it, he is also going to equip us. He is not going to say, go do this and then not give us the tools. So I'm just going to be real like, bold and say, we have access to every tool we need. It really is a matter of us going before the Lord and saying, we just want to let you use us. Hmm. Can you just use us today? Because I'm putting myself at your disposal to go on that adventure, to go on that little field trip into um, a a coffee shop where I know people of other faiths are going to be gathered And then just use me Mm -hmm. and let it be that adventure with the Lord. It's exciting. It is not boring. And once you take that first step, like you were just go do it one time, just go do it one time and you'll go, oh my goodness, I can do this. And it's incredibly exciting to see how God moves when we do it. Absolutely. And then suddenly we start to live our lives with more purpose, a purpose that is much bigger than ourselves. Oh, Linda, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been incredible. And my blue cord friend, at times like this, when we know sharing the love of Jesus should be easy, speaking openly about our biblical faith can sometimes feel risky. And if that's you, or if you have friends who you know, who know they should be sharing their faith, but they aren't, maybe it feels countercultural, it feels risky, or it feels like you don't want to offend someone. I want to encourage you to get a copy of my book called The Blue Cord. You can get it wherever books are sold online. The book will help you embrace God's love, like Linda and I've just been talking about, so that you can shine your light for Christ. And plus, it's got a group discussion and a Bible study guide embedded within, along with all new video links that will help take your learning deeper. Okay, now, my blue cord friend, I'm going to hold some time for you to think through 
how you might cultivate more love for those who don't yet know Christ. So first, if you're being honest with yourself, what is true about your thoughts and feelings right now about loving your other faith neighbor? Next, when was the moment that you first realized how much God loves you? Not when you knew it, but rather when you really believed it deep within your soul. And how did that change you? And finally, what is the Holy Spirit guiding you to think or do differently as a result of this episode? That's it for today. Who do you know who needs to hear this episode? Please share it. And if you enjoyed it, it would mean so much to me if you'd leave a review. 